HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. We are having a nice little time here. It's a beautiful summer day here in Brooklyn, New York. We're out here at Roberta's. We are recording at Heritage Radio Network, and I have just been chatting a little bit before the show with my guest today, um, director, producer, and spirit connoisseur, Mr. Steven Soderberg. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming out here. Um, I know you're in the middle of moving, so <laughs> thanks for taking the yeah. time to come out here and chat. Well, um, I'm always happy to go to Brooklyn. It's always good stuff going on. Yeah, I hear you. That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, let's get into it. Um, you have, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily a new venture, kind of new to a lot of us, but not to you. It's been it's been quite some years in the making at this point, but you have... Uh, You've gotten into the booze world. Welcome, yeah. welcome to uh, welcome to our world, man. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, fascinating. I mean, there are ways in which I didn't know what I was getting into when I started, and there are ways in which it's like the business that I'm in, and there are ways in which it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, but learning a new thing is is always fun. That's and, what life's all about. Yeah. So this the last couple of years, especially as things have started to to heat up, um, I'm hanging on by my fingernails but uh the the there's a real pleasure when you're able to to bring uh a product like singani out and and have people try it and like it that's it's fun it's fun to yeah. expose people to something new and this uh so that's where you know this is what i call sort of beginning of act two mm. uh we sort of launched in new york in LA and we're just moving into San Francisco, but now, you know, we got to get serious. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the product actually. I mean, Singani 63 is the the product. Singani is the style, correct? Yeah. It's a, um, to, to be called Singani, you need to have 
um, used the, the white muscat grape of Alexandria exclusively. It needs to have been grown and distilled in this one 20,000-acre area in Bolivia, which is very, very high up, almost a mile high. And so if you don't, if you don't meet these criteria, you can't call it Singani. Um, I was exposed to it at the startup party for Che uh, in 2007. Our Bolivian casting director gave me a bottle of it as a gift, and he said, this is the national drink of Bolivia. And um, I, I said, how do you drink it? And he goes, well, I just drink it on ice. And I had two and found him <laughs> and grabbed him by the lapels. And I said, what is this? <laughs> like, really, what is this? I've never tasted anything like it. Tell me, tell me more. Tell me more about it. So as it turns out, it's got a nearly 500-year history in Bolivia, but they don't export it at all. So we all got hooked on it during the shoot, the camera department especially. And by the end of the shoot, I was being encouraged to, to bring it to the U.S. And naively, I thought, why not? I, <laughs> I, I literally thought it was just something you, you apply and uh, they say yes and you can bring it in. So, of course, that process took almost six years to wow. get it. To get it landed here in New Jersey took almost six years. They really tried to uh, make it as hard as possible for you to have any kind of fun, right? Well, it was it was a weird <laughs> process. I mean, it, it not only took a long time, you'd have these periodic phone calls. They'd want to get you on the phone, ask you a few questions, mm -hmm. and then they'd say, thanks. You wouldn't hear anything for months and months. They'd schedule another phone call. They'd ask you some more questions. It was a really weird Sort of were, sequence of events. What were these kinds of questions? Were they like background I, they, yeah, they, yeah, kind of. They kind of were. They wanted to know why I was doing this and what my intentions were, and was I was I fronting for somebody or was I really doing this on my own? Like it was. It, hmm. Yeah, it was a little bit of a. It was the slow version of TSA pre. Right. And um, but eventually it 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 worked out. One of the things that that we've been dealing with that, that, again, at the time, I didn't understand the significance of was the Tax and Tariff Bureau categorized us as a brandy. Um, now, at the time, I didn't understand wh why or what that meant. All I knew, I was happy that at least we were not in a category in which we're competing head-to-head -head with billion-dollar sure. companies. Yeah. But as time went on, I realized, like, this isn't really... As I started to educate myself about the categories and about spirits in general, I, I really felt this isn't accurate, actually. Um, and we petitioned uh, at the end of last year for the TTB to give us our own category. That's rare, but it's not unheard of. And I feel like we made a very good presentation. We, you know, we did spectral analysis and all this stuff. And we said, like, this is not brandy this is its own thing um because people you spend a lot of time describing what it isn't to people as sure. opposed to what it is um but the good news was uh, just good luck for me i stumbled upon something that nobody'd really heard of here or been exposed to here mm -hmm. and yet had this long history so we kind of got the best of both, because people were excited sure. when you go to talk to mixologists. They're like, this is fascinating. I've never heard we of always, it. We always want the weird stuff that you've never seen before. Yeah. And we want it We want it before everyone else gets it, too. Well, exactly. <laughs> and so you got that, and you got 
this this great history yeah. behind it too. So absolutely, I was lucky in that regard. I was lucky as we were talking about before the show. This um, this length of time dealing with the government during that six years, so much changed in cocktail culture. Mm-hmm. Like the whole the, the whole idea of mixology kind of exploded, and I think we would we'd be in a much different position now if we had tried to bring this out in 2008. Sure. I think it had been a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, especially being, it's funny to me because I, you know, I, I often say on the show that we're living in like the most exciting time for cocktails and spirits and, and food and everything. And it's true. I feel like a broken record sometimes though, when I say that, but, um, it is because we, it's each year passes the, the need and the desire for more information and for for more unique ingredients grows and grows and grows and i mean tomorrow's always like the best day to launch something but but yeah i mean like you're you're totally right it, i feel like in 2008 we were still we were all kind of playing catch up a lot um as far as like classic cocktails and ingredients go we were everyone was kind of like culturally kind of like reteaching themselves something that had been lost you know from the, the onset of prohibition through the the 20th century and finally got to a point where it's the time to bring in these ingredients you know especially i think people are much more educated on yeah. on, on everything oh you know? yeah people want to know i mean even like with the with the the financial just kind of gnarliness of the, you know the late 2000s um it's, you know people not necessarily it was more about quality over quantity so it, there was definitely a few years there where people were like all right well i'm not going to go out and have three drinks i'm going to go out and have one drink but it's going to be really fucking good right you know so i think that's definitely a pro in in your on your side you know um no i mean when i was growing up it was sort of the equivalent of three television networks like w- when i grew up and started drinking um there there weren't a lot of options there 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 were a sort of handful of staple drinks that you either were into or you weren't alabama slammer yeah <laughs> and it's it's yeah for the for the consumer this is an amazing time the mm-hmm. the the variety of spirits that are available and the the general knowledge level of a bartender now is so much higher than it was mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Um, now, when you're on my side of it, this becomes really tricky because the competition is so fierce. I look at a bar now completely differently oh, sure do. than I did when <laughs> I started this process. I walk in and immediately I'm starting to clock how they've set the bar up, where they're placing the bottles. I'm, you know, I'm thinking now about how bottles look and how easy is that to pour? And, oh, that's not a good design because you can't get a spout in it, you know, sure, th- yeah. things that bartenders think about that I the, never used to think about. If you put at it in all. a rectangular bottle, they're going to turn it sideways, and you're not going to be able to see the label because it's got it's going to fit better between two bottles. Exactly, it's going to take up less shelf space. So, which is a, why they do that. You know, to put it like in liquor stores, it has a better shelf presence. But then at bars, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, it's like all these things, man. You're totally right, and I think it's really interesting because, like, I, th- I think that that definitely happened to me when I decided to get into the bar world. You know, it was like it's kind of this crazy thing where you start. 
I think it'd probably be the equivalent of like when you're shooting a film. Like if I visited your set and saw like what's going on, you know, like the production of it. You, you just like it's an industry. You that wouldn't I, look at a movie the I same would, way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, so before I mean like before you found Singani, you were a big uh, vodka drinker, right? Yeah. And you would drink it like on the rocks mostly. Or yeah, martini. Martinis. Yeah. Yeah, very simple. Yeah, maybe soda. If I was yeah. knowing it was going to be a long night, I'd try and pace myself yeah, a yeah. little bit. <laughs> and stretch um, it out a little bit. Yeah, that was kind of my go-to. And and that's why this really hit me the right way. Because yeah. it's sort of... Well, it's it, super clean. Yeah, it's like... It's, it's, a, it's, like, it's more, it's more flavor, flavorful, obviously, than vodka. Yeah. Um, but it is super clean and, and crisp. It's I got to try some uh, just a couple of weeks ago at, at my bar. And... I, you know, it, like you said before, it's like explaining to people what it isn't rather than what it is, you know, because like my immediate thought was like, oh, it's like, like a Pisco, you know? And I, I took the bottle behind the bar and started playing around with it. Right. And I was like, wait a minute. It's kind of like a Pisco, but it's kind of like an, an O to V. What? What? Okay. And I was just like, oh man, I have to rethink my process on like how like when when I get introduced to a new spirit, right? I have to completely like recalibrate my my thoughts on it and what it is or what it isn't rather, you know, and just take it and break it down on the palate, and then start thinking about like what what my what my palate and my brain and my soul mm-hmm. <laughs> are telling me what to do with this spirit, you know, and then start going in these different directions. Rather than just throwing it into a pisco sour, right? Or, you know, I, I whipped up a, a mar- I did a, like a fifty-fifty martini with it, um, and even then I was like, oh man, I didn't want to kill your sales rep's bottle because <laughs> right. he had one bottle with him. <laughs> but I was like, oh man, I want to keep playing around with this. And I was like, I, I think if I use this different vermouth, I did one with sherry, um, which works yeah, fabulously with, yeah. um, and it was just really cool. You know, they, they're. Like I said, you know, like we've been saying before, it's like it's just really exciting, you know, to have a new product. And and I really think that, like, from your side of it and how this has all happened extremely organically is really cool. It's exciting for me to hear your story about this because, I mean, I would say, like, on this radio show that all my guests, you know, it's like, it's basically like we're just talking shop and we're at my bar. Right. But we just happen to have microphones in front of us. And there's like, you know billion of people right. listening <laughs> but um it uh it's exciting to me to see like in like real time like what's happening with cocktail culture and spirits culture and food culture like just right now you know you tell me about this and it makes me just as excited to talk to you about this here as if you were at my bar and i was showing you a cocktail and to have that especially when it was a connection with like someone you were working with uh that gave you this awesome rare thing you had no idea what it was and then you took it and ran with it and it's just that's it's inspiring you know well we're trying to keep the the voice of it specific you know i i write all the copy for anything that we create the you know the design of the website i think is really fun and distinctive we're trying to have it feel personal and have it feel sort of hand-hewn. Um, when when we were shooting the Liberace movie, I made a point of 
having lunch with Dan Aykroyd one day because I wanted to pick his brain about Crystal Head and his whole experience with that. And the one thing he said to me was, if you're not willing to show up, then don't do it. Yeah. He goes, you've got to show up. Like, you need to, like, you got to be the face of this thing. You, he goes, if you're not interested in doing that and traveling and going to events like Tales of the Cocktail in sure. two weeks, he's like, don't do it. And so I really took that to heart, you know, that it's got to feel, it's got to feel personal. Yeah, man. If you're not willing to sweep the floor, you got to, you're going to get dirt on your feet, man. It's not going to be good. You know, I, I mean, those things, like, I guess, you know, there are a lot of people. Not a lot. No, there's there's like a handful of folks out there that are like 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 yourself, kind of like on the celebrity side of of the world that are getting into the spirits um, uh, market and industry. And it's definitely like you're saying, you know, there's definitely like work involved with it, but it's not really necessarily trying to be profitable from it or like making a quick bug because, like you mentioned, Dan Aykroyd's doing Crystal Skull Vodka. Any he loves it, you know, like yeah. you said. Uh, Clooney's got Casamigos. I think this Timberlake still doing his tequila? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there are a lot of people behind, you know, um, uh, a lot of these brands. But, like, no one's really trying to, like... Of course, like, P. Diddy's probably trying to make a lot of money off of Ciroc. But, but there are... Yeah, I mean, I didn't get into this to get bought out. Oh, yeah. I got into it to, to, to get it... So that people could, so you could have, you get can it. enjoy it, yeah. and and hopefully at some point it becomes sustainable. That's yeah. that's all I want. I don't want it to continue to be a sort of money drain, but um, but it's like a startup. I mean, it's a startup. Yeah, you know, and the burn rate initially is is high for for what you're getting back, but it's it's you have to be patient. And I keep saying to everybody, I'd rather this happen right than have have it happen soon. Yeah. Like I want it to happen the right way. I don't do you want, want it to... done right, or do you want it done right now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's got to feel. People have very, you know, their radar for stuff that's kind of fake is is pretty is pretty sharp. And so I want to make sure, like I said, that the voice of it is is specific and sounds genuine. Well, yeah, like you were saying before, with the design of the the bottle and everything, it's like you've got the packaging is really like honest and earnest and. I mean, to me, it it's 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 something like also like I'm pretty critical of like packaging because I'm ex graphic designer right. <laughs> before I got into the bar world, which is a better better lifestyle being a bar person than really? a graphic designer. I think, um, <laughs> although my brother still does it, and he's doing great. But um, but I do like the packaging of it. It's. Like I read in an interview with you, and you were saying that like for a Bolivian spirit, it's it's not like the idea of like flashy packaging is not something that exists in Bolivia, and so it needs to be it needs to fit the the style and the the actual like way of of yeah. It's, life. This is not a luxury item in yeah. Bolivia. This is an every man's drink. And that's why I wanted something that was, you know, nice graphically, but simple, yeah. unpretentious. Well, the know. label's really clean, and the spirit's really clean, yeah. too, so it totally matches. I think it's I think it's really cool. I've been really enjoying playing around with it. Um, 
we sh- we you know what we would probably be drinking some today but you've got to move later so <laughs> yeah I know. I know um but let's take a quick break and when we get back we'll continue speaking with steven soderberg of singani 63 and today's break song is called meeting at the docks by Rectech. this is the speakeasy we'll be right back Listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network, and in the studio today, we've been talking about Singani '63 with Steven Soderbergh, and it's a really cool story. I, I, you know, to me, we were talking a little bit about this uh, before the show and, and during the break. Just having like a story behind, so, it, 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 to me, like I don't know. My, your life is built of, 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 of just a collection of stories, man. Yeah. You know, and for me, you know, like certain spirits, like you know, like Chartreuse or Fernet Branca, you know, these they have like insane stories, you yeah. know. And the story really sells the spirit a lot of times, you know, especially with something like Chartreuse, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or Benedictine or like you know whatever. Um, so I really appreciate that with with uh, with Singani, you know, um, just. Tying something together with uh, your your two professions here, um, I was uh, I was at a preview last week of the new Amy Schumer movie called Trainwreck, and I definitely noticed in uh, one scene there were uh, bo- there there was there were two camera angles uh, going to two parts of the of her apartment, and there was <laughs> like a half. A half drunk bottle of Maker's Mark Forty Six on like her her kitchen counter, and then there was one like on her nightstand. I didn't know if that was like just kind of like a like a mistake that was made in the set design or, or whatever. But uh, I was like, oh, my first thought was before like maybe there was a mistake in the shoot. I was like, oh, so Maker's Mark got a product placement. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, and it's it's funny too. I mean, like even I. I watched the show Community. Uh, it's so silly and funny. And uh, I, there was one episode where they did this like spaceship ride thing that was sponsored by KFC. I'm like, oh, 
So KFC totally got a huge uh, product placement there. But it's it's fascinating to me seeing like product placements. Um, I think that's probably what got like definitely. Yeah, I, I remember like I was looking at a guitar magazine like when I was like probably eight years old, and uh, this is like the late eighties, and you know, Guns N' Roses is in there, and uh, Slash has a bottle of Jack Daniels. It worked on me, oh, man. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, it's, look, it's a funny thing, and it and it comes to this, back to this idea of being sort of trying to be organic, because mm-hmm. that was something, obviously, I was thinking about early on, and, you know, is there a way to get Singani in anything? In, like, Magic Mike, or... <laughs> well, yeah, so what we ended up doing, well, one funny thing happened was I got a call from... David Fincher when he was shooting Gone Girl. He's like, will you send me five bottles of Singani? I'm like, sure. He was in Kansas City. And um, a couple days later, he sent me a frame grab of Ben Affleck sitting at his kitchen table with a bottle of Singani in front of him. I thought, oh, that's that's a nice thing for a friend to do. It's yeah. this long scene where there's nothing else in the kitchen except this <laughs> bottle of Singani. Um, and then when Magic Mike came along, I... It's in there, but it's pretty. You got to look for it, sure. Because I felt that would be gross. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't have this be too obvious, or it's just sure. kind of gross. Um, but what what I'm hoping to do is that, uh, or to have happen is that I put the word out that sometimes you know when you're making a movie and you're trying to get product placement or. If you're a filmmaker, you want people using real products. You always sure. feel stupid when you have to make something up that doesn't exist. It just somehow like makes the universe tilt the wrong way. Yeah. So, but but often, you know, when you try to get a product, but you have a character that's really unsavory, the company will just go, sure. "We don't want to be associated with that." Well, I don't care. Yeah. You- I want to be the product that you go to when nobody else dares have that character hold up their brand. Right. I want to be that brand. Right. You, you don't want to... I'm sure no liquor brand really wanted to uh, have a product placement in, like, Barfly. No, exactly. <laughs> you know? um, but so yeah, I'm it, just putting the word out. Like, we, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's always fascinating to me to see how that... Well, and, you know, like, making a point of that, like, if it's an unsavory character, I think... It's, like, how do you go about, like... How do you... How do you turn the table on that, like, with uh, with a product placement? Like, if you're really going for it, do you just kind of, like, rewrite that scene a little bit, or... It's... Uh, the, it's I Usually what you end up doing, like I said, is you end up having to create something that doesn't, something doesn't exist. exist. Jake you know? Danielson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I remember on a movie once, we couldn't, we couldn't even get... Uh, we were shooting at a gas station, and we couldn't even get... At the time, for whatever reason, we couldn't even get like a real gas station to let us show. Is there a brand? Yeah. Wow. So, so we ended up like creating this name for a gas station because we couldn't get Chevron to let us show it as Chevron, and there was nothing happening. It wasn't there was nothing terrible happened. There was just a guy so waiting weird. in a car. Yeah. And so yeah, you get into these corporate things on the last on Magic Mike XXL. We were trying to shoot a hardware store, so we. Just a guy, walk, Joe Manganiello, walking into a hardware store. So we went and we shot, and we shot Ace Hardware. Comes back, you know, Warner Brothers legal calls us like, they don't want to be in the movie. I'm like, really? Wow. 
They don't want to. They don't want Joe Manganiello like walking into their store. So we had to call it Max Hardware, you know, because somebody in corporate went. We don't want to be associated with Magic Mike. Weird. Yeah. So weird. So strange. Huh. Well, Radio, mean, Radio Shack. This is why they're out of business. They said yes. <laughs> so we have a Radio Shack scene. Oh my God, that's funny. Um, yeah, like I think it's funny. It's like oh, there's so, so many weird ins and outs, right? Um, well, I mean, you, you, I don't know how much you run into this. I mean, I'm in a business in which dealing with lawyers is is you know a large part of your day, which can be really frustrating. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know how much interaction you have with like legal issues here. I live in Brooklyn. We, you know, we do it the Brooklyn way. Okay. No lawyers. Exactly. <laughs> we take care of it. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm probably going to get in trouble with legal on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, let's, uh, let's talk about something. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so what was, I like to ask some of these like kind of like more kind of like fun, like more fun, like personal questions about like, like, so like so, you were a big martini drinker and a big vodka soda drinker. What was like? What was probably like? What was like the worst drink you've ever had? What was the worst drinking experience you ever had? Well, or are there too many to list? <laughs> yeah, there are a lot. What What's interesting to me is that, and somebody asked me that I was talking about this the other day. It's shocking the variance. In a dirty martini, if you ask somebody to make you a dirty martini, it's shocking how wide, you know, the the quality of this drink can be, bartender to bartender. It's really weird. Like some it's some a, people it's a gray will, area. Some people will really nail it. Some people, I, I mean, you can get a bad one and it's just undrinkable. Sure. Um, I mean, I still drink it, but it's it's <laughs> you know under duress. Um, that's that's really weird to me. You'd think that's a fairly simple thing to do, but it's it's really not. Yeah, like do you do you make martinis for yourself at home? Oh God, no, no, no. You don't you don't want to touch it? No, <laughs> I probably should. I should try. Um, do you like yours on the the dirtier side or just like a little hint of dirt? I, yeah, not too dirty, but I, you know, but you want it to be there. I, w- I want a little bit of that salty, the brightiness. Yeah, yeah. I just want I want that right, you know. But it's yeah, it's so weird. It, but you'll see sometimes. I mean, you'll see them, and they won't they won't like mix it. They'll. I actually saw a guy like pour juice like into the the, the martini after it was already made. Yeah. Oh, that's that's no, not cool, that's, man. No, you can't. Do, I literally would say you can't do that. <laughs> um, are you a uh, are you a fancy olive person? Do you like uh, any kind of like. Uh, oh, stuff like stuffed olives. No, I really don't. It's, I like it pretty straightforward. I usually just get one olive. I don't go for the three. You go for one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that too. I I always put two in uh, martinis because I know it's against the rules. But I'm a Gemini and a twin, so oh, wow. so I do two a lot of times. Yeah, I've I've had to change my game a little bit. But when I uh, when I used to drink martinis a lot, vodka martinis in Oklahoma City, I would go to this one place. And they would make my vodka martinis for me, and they—I would just—I just wanted like a little bit of dirt, and you know, it was a bar spoon. They would just put a—they would actually like they would while they were scooping out the olives to put them in the glass. I'm not a big skewer person. I like the olives to like hang out and marinate in oh, the okay. glass, you know. Yeah. So uh, 
I would just, I'd be like, I just want two olives, and just whenever you scoop it out of the the thing, just like make sure that there's a little bit of juice in there. So, and that always worked out for me. Right. And then, and then I ended up going to gin martinis, and then, and then I, and then I was twenty one. <laughs> um, that's actually not too far See, off. See, when actually. I was growing up in Louisiana, it was eighteen to drink when you were eighteen. Oh, right. So yeah. So which meant fourteen. Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. That's not coming back. That's not going to come back. They just banned smoking in uh, in Louisiana. So Tales of the Cocktail this year is going to be... Wow. Indoors? Indoors, that's right. Wow. Okay, that is going to be interesting. It's going to be a different I'm type surprised. of Tales of the Cocktail. That surprises me. I mean, the bars are still open 24 hours. Yeah. Speaking of, are you going to Tales of the Cocktail? Yeah, I am. We're doing a little... Uh, we're doing an event there. It's going to be fun. We're going to cool. have um, four mixologists from different parts of the country... Uh, doing a little sort of mix-off. Cool. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Great. Yeah, I'm going to be down there as well. We'll have to link up and... All right, I'll give you the, the deets. Cool. Yeah. I love deets. Um, yeah, cool. I, I think uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show about uh, the heat, so make sure you bring some shorts. And Oh, and- no, I can't. You, you, you don't want to see me in shorts. <laughs> no, nobody gets to see that. That's that's me, too. I'll, I'll suffer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I haven't been to New Orleans in a while. I'm usually there yeah. a couple times a year. Well, you're from you're yeah, from I'm from Louisiana. Baton Rouge, and a buddy of mine has a mixing stage down there. So, so typically, I'm mixing sound there. But um, on the Nick, we've been mixing in New York. Uh, cool. But it'll be it's going to be a good time. Have you been in there before? Uh, not to tales. No. Oh no. Here's my advice. Okay. Every time you see water, drink it. Yeah. And never finish a cocktail. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I know what I'm going to be drinking. Well, so. yeah, exactly. So, well, that's... Well, I'm, I'm the Tony Montana of, of the spirit <laughs> world. I'm definitely hitting my own supply. As a matter of fact... I'm not saying don't have multiples. I'm saying never finish one. Oh, okay. Because it's a mental thing. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't finish your drink, like, you know, put the, maybe just that last sip, just leave it. And then get yourself another one. Right. Get a, your, get, get a freshie. And uh, and and also you know go to Kushan and you know yeah, place, yeah. place like that yeah maybe maybe keep it easy on the Acme uh, charbroiled oyster uh, oysters you know because those will catch up with you but it is a very good time well there's a when I usually when I go down there to mix audio there's a place called Mother's right oh, I love Mother's yeah I mean yeah I could eat there three times a day oh man literally I think I have it's so good I always go to like Willie Mays Scotch House. Get some fried chicken and then go to Mother's and then drink a bunch of Sazeracs at the Montelio. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, not a bad life. No, it's not. Well, cool. Steven, um, it's been great having you on the show today. We're, we're unfortunately at the end of it. But uh, I'm really glad that you uh, made the time to come out here and talk to us about uh, Singani 63. And uh, it's it's a really cool product. I think, to me, it's it's... You're going to be seeing it in a lot of places. I mean, it's it's definitely going to be making its way onto a lot of cocktail menus. It's such a cool spirit, and you know, like I said before, it's like it's it it's it doesn't fit into any real category, which is why you guys had to build that. And uh, I've had a lot of fun playing with it. So I'll uh, I'll shoot you some recipes when I when I get them figured out. Oh, great! Yeah, please yeah. do. Cool man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. And I'll see you down in New Orleans yes, in a couple will. of weeks. All right. Thanks a lot. 
You've been listening to The Speakeasy, Steven Zoderberg. Thank you again for coming on the show. We're around every week, except for in a couple weeks when I'm in New Orleans, hanging out, drinking Singani 63 with Steven. That's it for this week. Please enjoy the weather, and we'll see you around. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio.